Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you today. Certainly welcome our online community of faith. We're always grateful you join us here and grateful that you are here in the room. We wrap up today, bless this mess, this whole uh, concept that we've realized over the last many weeks that, man, we've got a bit of a mess on our hands. Some are really messy, some are not so messy, but all of our families have their concerns. All of our families have their issues, right? And so we realized early on we needed to sort of address whatever we could. And so today we're going to be talking about blended families. And blended families has a broad definition, but uh, we'll get to that uh, here in a little bit. I want to first introduce to you a friend of mine. His name is Kevin. I met Kevin when I was in junior high, seventh grade, in fact, and we found each other because of seventh grade football, right? In seventh grade football, you kind of get to know your fellow linemen. We were both on the line. I was about 180 pounds and right at six foot back then. Uh, that, that, that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I've gotten shorter and rounder, and so it doesn't look the same. But I kind of peaked out in eighth grade, and the coaches loved me in seventh and eighth grade and then wondered all about me through high school, right? But I kept playing football with Kevin because we enjoyed football. We also discovered that we liked soccer, so we played in the community soccer leagues as well. Had lots of fun. We were competitors there, and then we were on the same team in football, and we always liked to razz each other about that. And as you can well imagine, as we grew older and grew into high school and, and our relationship as buddies uh, continued, we learned about each other. And a part of what I learned about Kevin was his family was different than mine. Mine was a traditional family. My parents had been married for decades. Their parents had been married for decades. Uh, we were uh, uh, out of a, what you would call a traditional or nuclear family. Kevin's family was quite different. His parents had divorced when he was young. Uh, he lived with his mom. He saw his dad periodically. His dad was more uh, loving. His mom was more uh, sort of uh, all about the rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. And a part of what I began to learn about Kevin in 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th grade was I became fascinated by his family circumstances. And so I would ask questions, why, why, why does your family do this, or why do you have to be with your, your dad this weekend and not your mom, and, and what is it like when you have to go with your dad's family, not your mom's family, and all of those things. And, and I became enamored by this whole unique structure to me, right? Part of what I learned after that fact was uh, Kevin and I remained friends uh, for a long time, and then obviously as you grow older and, and families take over and all that kind of stuff, we're not as well-connected at all anymore but I became enamored by the blended family because it was different than mine, right? When sometimes you see and, and understand and know different things, you, you want to know more about them. And I, I was grateful that he was always willing to talk about it. He was always willing to sort of address the, the elephant in the room or the special and unique circumstances. And a part of what I began to discover from Kevin's story was that blended families were pretty common. And my story was common, but not as common. And I became enamored as I became a pastor because what I began to realize was blended families were more the norm than the normative, if you will, right? Traditional family or the nuclear family. The Pew Research Institute did a study, golly, five, six, seven years ago, and a part of what they discovered in that study was that 42% of all American families are blended families. It's the largest grouping of family units in America. And they take all kinds of shapes and sizes. I imagine one of the reasons it's so large is it's, it's got the broadest sense of definition, right? You can be a blended family if you uh, are divorced and remarried and have no kids. You can be a blended family if you, one is a widow and one is not, but you come together and you have some kids. You can be a blended family if you both are divorced, you get married to each other and you bring kids into the relationship. You can be a blended family if you have kids from different relationships, but you're not yet married and cohabitating, right? It's a broad spectrum, right? But all of it is to say, 
there's a lot of blended families in the world. And those blended families have import and impact in the world on us, on each other, on society, on the church. And we ought to address that, right? We ought to sort of acknowledge not only is this real, but it's real in terms of how it impacts who we are, every one of us, whether we're in a blended family or not. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but given the fact that at least 42% of the American households are blended, almost half of us would raise our hand either because we were raised in a blended household or we currently are participating in a blended household. There's nothing wrong or right about any of this. It's just the realities of life, right? That some families are traditional and nuclear and some families are, are blended. Here's what I've discovered over the years about blended families. Blended families present often the most challenges to relationship. They present the most challenges because they bring all kinds of things together. It's not always that those blended families uh, bring problems so much as they, they sort of magnify and have more commonality about those challenges than a traditional family. Let me just share some of those that, again, almost any traditional family could face these issues, but almost every blended family faces these issues. One of the challenges is sharing parents. Well, golly, if we have a mom and a dad, we share parents, right, whether traditional or not. But blended families share more parents, right? And they share the groupings of whatever those parents look like and the schedules that come with those unique parents and families. Also, sibling rivalry. Now, if I've got siblings, I'm going to have a rivalry. But if I'm in a blended household, I'm having to learn anew with this new sibling how to be in relationship and how to understand the relationship. And it can create a dynamic that can be awkward and distinct and cause some problems from time to time. Identity confusion. Part of what we sometimes find is, by golly, I've come into this new family system and it's not like my old system and, and I'm not sure, uh, am I still the oldest kid or am I still the youngest kid or, or where do I fit in this relationship? And so sometimes I have a struggle with where's my place and what's my role right? Sometimes we have discipline issues. We've talked about that before, but you can well imagine in a blended family that um, if I'm the step-parent, I might not always know, or at least from the beginning understand that I can offer discipline to your child who's not my child. Or if I'm a kid in the relationship and you're not my biological parent, but you're my step-parent, do I have to do what you say and follow what you tell me to do, right? And so sometimes there's disciplinary issues that are just sort of expanded in a blended family. Sometimes there are legal disputes, not always, and we have to determine uh, which family I'm with. Am I with mom on this weekend and dad on the next weekend, or do I go to dad on Christmas and mom on Thanksgiving, or what, what are the legalities of that? Occasionally, there are uh, financial disputes and financial complications with a blended family as well. You get the picture. There are complications, right? And there are challenges. One of my favorites is what's known I call space infringement. We move into a house together having been in two separate households and, and we may not have the same understanding of whose couch that is or who's going to share this particular bedroom or who's going to have their own space in the backyard, right? I mean, there's space infringement, right? It's a unique set of circumstances and therefore these can be challenges in a blended family. They're all real. Almost any family can experience these, but in blended families, they become the normative, and the challenges can be great. That's the bad news about blended families. I also happen to believe there's a lot of good news with regard to blended families. 
And a part of what I believe about the good news of blended families is, is that blended family structures can also offer us the greatest opportunity the greatest opportunity for relationship, the greatest opportunity for uh, conflict resolution, the greatest opportunity for uh, ways for us to get along. Can you imagine if you once had your own bedroom, but now you're going to share a bedroom, how you can work on conflict resolution? Can you imagine the character development that can come when we have two different sets of family values that we're trying to merge together? And we, if, if we choose to do so, we can take up the opportunity to develop and nourish our character. So the opportunities are ripe for us to grow and to develop and to be nurtured. And we all have a choice if, we're, if we find ourselves in the blended family. The choice is I can bemoan all of my challenges or I can look at them as opportunities and ways for growth and nurture and development, right? And the goal, of course, is to find ourselves in the latter category rather than the former category. And if we're in a blended family, just like in any other family, it will always be a choice. So what do we do about all this? How, how can we be guided by this? Well, my goal today will be to offer some insight that I hope will be helpful uh, both for the blended family unit and what I believe Scripture can guide us in, and then also a little bit about, golly, what can we as the church do to offer care and concern and hope and help to a blended family? I want to start with the Apostle Paul who wrote much to the early church about how to be a follower of Jesus, right? And in writing to the early church, he would offer great wisdom and insight that often was directed at the local community of faith, like Ephesus or Philippi or wherever, and sometimes to communities of faith like the churches in Galatia. And his intent was to help that particular community of faith know how to follow Jesus well. But in all of Paul's letters, a part of what we realize is, golly, there's some wisdom for us today. And in particular, the wisdom that he will share is not directed at blended families, he didn't have a clue about blended families. I don't imagine. I don't really know. But his wisdom, I think, can apply. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, near the end of the chapter. He says, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. And do not make the Holy Spirit sad. The Spirit is God's proof that you belong to Him. God gave you the Spirit to show you that God will make you free when the final day comes. Do not be bitter or angry or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. Man, there'd be a whole sermon right there on that one verse, right? That's verse 31. You mark it down. Chapter 4, verse 31. I'm going to read it over just because we all need to hear it again. Do not be bitter or angry or mad. Never shout angrily or say things to hurt others. Never do anything evil. Be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. You are God's children whom he loves. So try to be like him. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice to God. I love this passage. It speaks profound truth to all of us as followers of Jesus, and I hope by the morning's end that we'll be able to apply this wisdom to how it is we relate to each other if we find ourselves in a blended household. It's true that we ought to be kind to one another, right? 
is true that we ought to love each other and be forgiving to one another, whether we reside in the same household or participate in the same church or live in the same community or exist in God's creation, right? All of that is true across the board. And it's also true that we ought to do our level best in all of our relationship with one another, that we ought not speak vile and angry things, that we ought not be bitter and and angry at people, right? Now, it's not saying that we shouldn't be angry at all, but it is saying that we shouldn't sort of lash out at other people. And I hope we would agree that that's true, whether we're in a traditional home or a blended home, that it's true whether we find ourselves in church or at work, right? It's true across the board. But I want to suggest and highlight that it's even more true in systems that are complicated by blending. Because when our system, our family system is blended, there's all kinds of reasons, as we already spoke to, that can cause us to want (laughs) to speak vile and angry words to speak out and lash out that when we don't understand or we're not understood and where things can often be complicated. And so part of what I simply want to lift up is that Paul's offering some wisdom that can particularly apply to a household where there is a blending of of family systems, right? And what I want to also suggest is that wisdom will guide us well when we apply it to ourselves within that system so that we can demonstrate love and forgiveness. And what do you think about that phrase, do not make the Holy Spirit sad? You ever heard that phrase? It's a fascinating phrase, isn't it? I'm not 100% sure I can give you a definite answer about what it is that makes the Holy Spirit sad, but I can offer a suggestion. I believe that what makes the Holy Spirit sad is when we don't offer God's love to other people, when we don't do God's will in the world, where we're not offering what it was that God intended for us to do, some of which is what Paul is describing here. I bet that makes the Holy Spirit sad. And I further bet that a part of what Paul is addressing here about what the Holy Spirit's purpose is, is a guiding force to encourage us in speaking God's truth in love, as Paul would say it, even in this very book. And so a a part of what we want to offer as ourselves to God as this sweet-smelling sacrifice that Paul references, right? That we ought to commit ourselves to God in such a way that we won't speak angrily and bitterly and vilely in the ways in which we relate to other people but rather we will lift up forgiveness and mercy and love, particularly when we are in challenging circumstances that may often come when we're in a blended household. So I want to first sort of speak into um, what I hope might be helpful to the blended households and then talk a little bit about uh, the local church. So if we find ourselves in a blended household, I want to offer just three things that I hope will be helpful. It's clearly not an exhaustive list. It's not going to be anything you've never heard before. It's actually going to be stuff we've heard before, but it is stuff that we need to uh, um, sort of lift up, right, to identify as helpful. So the first thing if we're in a blended family is we need to communicate, and we need to communicate better and more frequently than perhaps otherwise. Why? Because of all those challenges, right? If we're looking at identity issues or financial issues or, or um, uh, 
space infringement issues or any of those issues. I've got to communicate more about what's on my heart and in my head, what I'm thinking and feeling, how it is I'm interfacing with you. I have to be more in, in, uh, diligent and intentional about the ways in which I communicate with you because we're bringing two different systems and trying to make one. And therefore, we've got to talk about it more. So those kinds of things that we may have previously just understood in the former relationship, uh, first of all, it may have been the cause of the former relationship, I don't know. But a part of what we can now do is communicate more and communicate more openly and communicate uh, in ways that can be helpful even when we don't necessarily think about it. Let's talk it through. My family didn't used to do that. Does your family do that? I, I, I wasn't raised with that value. What does that mean to you, right? So we start talking about things we might not normally talk about. Several years ago, when Kay and I first got married, we went to family therapy because we learned early on that we needed it, and we've used it several times since then. And let me just fess that that's real in our lives, and therefore I can bet it's true in your life as well. And what we learned early on in this relationship uh, in the therapy session was that the, the therapist said, uh, and this was literally in our first year of marriage, um, I want to challenge you to do two things when you communicate. And I've shared this with you before, but I think it's important to share again. The therapist said, there are two things I want you to do a lot in your relationship. Always uh, ask for what you want and say how you feel. Ask for what you want and say how you feel. Asking for what you want looks like anything from, hey, will you give me a hug, to, uh, hey, I need you to take out the trash, to, I need you to be present for me and with me in these circumstances, and, and everything in between, right? Ask for what you want. Now, he also said this, just because you ask for what you want doesn't mean you're going to get it, and just because you say how you feel doesn't mean anything's going to change. You need to know that going into this. That was helpful information. Because I thought when I first started doing it, Kay was going to solve everything for me when I told her what I wanted. That didn't work out so well. But once I realized that I simply need to reveal what it is I want so that she knows who I am and what I want, and if I will say what I'm feeling, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm delighted, I'm, I'm joyful, whatever, if I can share that, then in and through that communication, it changes the, the whole horizon of the relationship because you now know what my wants are and you now know how I feel. And then we all have a choice. Now the choice is how am I going to relate to you now that I know what you want and how you feel? Am I going to turn my back on you or am I going to embrace you? Am I going to ignore whatever it is you're sharing or am I going to figure out a way to engage you in relationship, right? That's what the communication is for. It's the same reason why we pray to God. We pray to God whenever we pray to God to open up the doorway of communication and connection, to open up a, a relationship with God. That's why we pray. And that prayer can take all kinds of shapes, right? I need this. I want that. Thank you for this, God. I'm grateful this happened, God. Our, our, our prayer life is a whole uh, spray of, of, of ways to understand connection with God. And so is our communication. And when we're in blended families that are already complicated, we need to talk more. We need to share more. And we need to be more transparent in the sharing. If you now know my wants and you know my feelings, then we're all out on the table, aren't we? And we need to figure out what we're going to do with it. And if we love one another, we will engage the relationship, not betray it. Communication is critical. 
The second thing I want to share for uh, uh, blended families is we need to learn how to trust. And trust happens on a lot of different levels. Uh, trust first that God's got this, that God can help in this, that, that we can rely on God, that God is the creator of all things and has put all things into motion. And that same God is with you in that relationship. And that same God can help you and trust that God's got this. That doesn't mean we don't need to work at it, right? It doesn't mean that we just sort of ignore things and just go, hey, God, will you take care of this? No, it means that in addition to doing other things, I'm going to trust that God can help. But I also think trust comes at another level as well, a much more personal level. I think we need to trust our guts. That is to say that instinct within us that says, man, this is not going so well. Or I wonder if I tried this instead, that maybe this would help. You remember those gut instincts, right? And, and, and sometimes we ignore our gut instincts. Sometimes we think that, that there's no way that could be right. There's no way that could help. And often, if you were like me, you've had those instances where you, you ignored your gut and five weeks or five months down the road, you went, oh, yeah. I remember that. I, I, I should have done that. I, I wish I had done that, right? Gut. Trust your gut. There's something about the Spirit, I believe, that's in our guts that helps us to know how to move forward and how to uh, be in better relationship with each other. Trust God. Trust your gut. And then thirdly, if there are children involved, I want to challenge us all to trust our children when they tell us something is wrong. If we're in a blended household, sometimes things can go wrong. Anything from trivial stuff to deeply serious stuff. And children want to tell the truth. By and large, children will tell the truth. I know there are, there are exemptions to that. But when a child says, hey, this is happening and it makes me feel awkward, or when a child says, this is happening and it hurts me, trust that that's true that your child is trying to reveal to you a reality that you need to know. Remember, sometimes when we bring two households together, our values are not the same. And therefore, we need to work hard at helping those values to collide and to work well together in a positive way. Trust God. Trust that God's going to work on this. And trust your gut. Thirdly, I want to just say this. Um, be patient in the relationship. You know, as you've come into a blended family, uh, it didn't happen overnight. It didn't just take place yesterday, right? It took time. It took time for that relationship to develop and turn to a way that you wanted to spend the rest of your lives together. It took time for your children, perhaps, to accept where you are and all that. It took time for that to take shape. It's going to take time for it to work into wholeness and healing. And just remember, God's with you, and God's guiding you into that, right? So if we can be patient and trust, things will work well, and they'll help us move forward. So as a church, what ought we to be doing to help our brothers and sisters who might see or find themselves in blended households? The first is, um, let's try to understand. Let's try to understand their circumstances. Let's try to understand the reality of what's going on in their lives. Let's try to realize that this is real. Just because we happen to be in a traditional household and have traditional values and have things that are seemingly all in order doesn't mean everybody does. And a huge part of our role as followers of Jesus is to understand our brothers and sisters. How is it, after all, we could ever love our neighbor as ourselves unless we understand them? 
right? Know their circumstances. Recognize that they have a different set of realities than we do. You know, Paul would write to many churches, and uh, when he wrote to the churches in Galatia, a part of what he told them was uh, in chapter 6 of Galatians, he just said, look, bear one another's burdens, for when you do, this fulfills the law of Christ. I happen to believe the only real way we can bear one another's burdens is if we understand what those burdens are, if we know that they're real. And the only way we're going to know that they're real is if we spend time in relationship with, the, with our friends, whether it's in life group or Sunday school or Bible study or sitting across or next to them in the pew. We need to know one another. And the best way to know each other is to be in relationship. And the best way to be in relationship is to better understand who you are and what's going on in your life. When we understand, it helps us to offer care and compassion and to be the kind person that Paul is inviting us to be when he writes to the church at Ephesus. Not only do we need to understand, but we also need to include. You know, it's a funny thing, those of us who may exist in traditional families, we got all kinds of stuff on our plate, right? We got kids and we got work and we got schedules and we got things to take care of, and therefore we just do. And without any malice and without any intention and without any uh, real reason, we sometimes exclude people for no other reason than we just didn't think about it or it wasn't on our radar. But that's why understanding comes first and then inclusion comes second. Because a part of what we ought to do as a church is recognize that sometimes for blended families, there are complicated schedules and therefore they, they can't necessarily be here every week. They can't necessarily participate in certain events in the life of the church. They can't always be present. And for some of us, we tend to go, golly, those people are never here, and those people never participate, and they're always off and about doing whatever. And part of what we need to do is realize, man, maybe we need to look at our schedules. Maybe we need to look at what we offer. Maybe we need to figure out ways that can help include people rather than exclude people. Remember growing up in elementary or middle school or high school, and you got excluded from the team or from the event or from the opportunity because either somebody didn't like you or somebody just looked past you or they just ignored you. Felt, felt bad, didn't it? And, and if maybe we participated in that, we may have felt better than they felt, but we knew what it was like. We don't, we don't want anybody to feel like that. As followers of Jesus, we want people to feel as though they're a part of what it is God's doing here. We got that opportunity. Whenever we accepted Jesus, we, we got the opportunity to be a part of the greater body of Christ. We got to be a part of the team. We got to help, help be a, a, what God is doing. And we, we don't want others, no matter what, to feel excluded. Paul put it this way earlier in Ephesians, in the second chapter. He talked about uh, uh, once you came to Christ and now that you are in Christ, you used to be far away. You used to be outside the circle, but because of the blood of Christ, you were a part of what God is now doing. Let's, let's let others be a part of that. Let's figure out ways to help make people feel more welcome and included rather than excluded simply because their family structure is different or, or they don't sort of look like a traditional family. I think that would behoove us to be kind and gracious and loving and perhaps even forgiving sometimes, depending on the circumstances. And then finally, of course, ultimately what we want to do is love. 
We want to love people the way God first loved us. We want to love people the way God loves other people too, right? And so again, when, when family structures come into the life of the church, uh, we don't want to look at those family structures and go, well, that's weird, or well, that's different, or I don't understand that, and that doesn't look like my normal family, and therefore I don't want to… No, that, that's not the way love happens. The love of God, the love from God is a very inclusive kind of love. It's a love that says, man, God created you, and God created me, and we're all in this together. And that's the good news that we have, right? First Peter put it this way in his fourth chapter. He just said, above all, maintain love, for love covers a multitude of sin. Isn't that true? <laughs> love covers a multitude of my sins, and love covers a multitude of your sins, and God can cover a multitude of anybody else's. And this is the good news that God is calling us to when we've got blended families that make up the largest part of all family structures, right? And here's the best news of all, I think, and what helps us to know this can be real. Look around the room just for a minute. Just look at your fellow neighbors across and behind and in front of. You notice that folks look a little different than you? You know, I mean, we all got hair, at least most of us. We all got clothes on. You know, we're either male or female, right? We're, but we're different. And we are often referred to as the household of God, the family of faith. We are, therefore, then the, the biggest picture of a blended family. We've come from all kinds of backgrounds, from all kinds of denominational backgrounds, from all kinds of upbringings, from all kinds of rural or suburban or urban settings. We've come from all kinds of settings, and yet we, we find ourselves here as a nice, fun, blended family who calls Treach Memorial United Methodist Church our church home. And a part of what we realize in all of that is that the kingdom of God is made up of a whole bunch of blended families of faith. And those blended families of faith can demonstrate God's richness in powerful ways. And oh, by the way, as that family that's fully blended in God, you were adopted. You were adopted into this family. All of us were adopted into God's family through Jesus Christ. Paul wrote about this as well. The church at Rome, he said it this way in the 11th chapter, and you Gentiles, that's me and you, we're the Gentiles. And you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing of God that has, was promised to Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. From wherever we came, from whatever background we come, we decided to follow Jesus. And as we decided to follow Jesus, we got adopted into his household. And as we got adopted into his household, we all look just a little different. We all have different ways of being and different ways of understanding and different ways even of living the faith of Jesus. And that's a good thing because in that blended family, what we make up is the household of God. And as we make up the household of God, we then emulate God's kingdom in the world. It's funny, isn't it? All of our families in all their different styles and different ways and different understandings, a bit messy <laughs> because they're made up of you and me. So they're still a bit messy. And all we wanted to do in this series was to acknowledge that reality and to ask God's blessing upon the circumstances in which we find ourselves. 
And as we see God's blessings for our circumstances, no matter what they may be, we realize that God loves us and that God wants the very best for us and God, God desires that we do the very best we can for God in the world by loving others, forgiving them just as God forgave us and for being kind in the way in which we relate to other people. Blended families offer special opportunities for that to be true. I maintain every family does. And the gift that we can now offer both to the world and for God is that we live the way Paul described, loving others, being kind, offering forgiveness, demonstrating what it is God calls us to. I'm so grateful that you do that so well. And I'm grateful that we can continue to share that with all of God's creation each and every day. Will you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who offers us reconciliation in our lives each and every day. Help us, no matter what kind of family we may reside in, to know you love us. You want the very best for us. And you call on those of us who follow Jesus to demonstrate faithfully your richness, your mercy, and your grace. Help us, Lord, in our words and in our actions to demonstrate that kindness, that love, and that forgiveness, that we may be your true followers, adopted by your grace into your great blended family of faith. May it be so, God, and may we make it possible. This is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.